The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Tonight we're going to try to bring our fourth message with regard to acceptable words. And the text we've based these messages on is found in Rome, uh, Psalms 19 and verse 14. David prays, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Notice this is something we should be conscientious and concerned about. That our words be acceptable in the Lord's sight. We need to think about that. Now, we've talked about uh, what we should say. We should desire that what we say be acceptable to the Lord. We've talked about how we should speak. We want to speak in a manner and tone and attitude that's acceptable to the Lord. And tonight I want to advance to, at least in my experience, what is even a higher level of discipline. And that is when we should speak. I found this to be one of the hardest disciplines, and I'm certainly not an example of one that uh, has met the mark in this. Now the first thing we want to do is to establish that the Bible does address this. Not only should we pray that our words be acceptable, but part of our concern should be with regard to when we should speak. One of, the clearest, one of the clearest examples or clearest portions of Scripture with regard to this is in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, or rather, um, yeah, I believe it's Ecclesiastes chapter 7, or it may be 3. See, I'm tired too. I, had this, I got this written down. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And beginning with verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather together, gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Now there could be a lot of preaching on this one portion of Scripture. As a matter of fact, you could probably preach a sermon on each of these contrasts. 
Well, let's just take the first one to set the context. It says in verse 2, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Now, as Brother Chris and I have both taught from this passage before, this is not saying that there is a preordained time for you to be born and a fixed time that you're going to die. Matter of fact, you can look in the Old Testament and find an example, and we'll not turn to that, of a man whose years were prolonged. That is, the Lord was pleased to prolong his years beyond what otherwise would have been the time of his death. So that clearly indicates there was not a set time. But when it says there's a time to be born and a time to die, as you proceed through this portion of Scripture, the only way for it to make sense within the context and with all the other contrast is to realize that there is a season. There's a season for this. There's a season for that. There's a time to be born. That is, usually nine months after conception. Now, notice how this is explained in the book of Job, in, uh, or rather in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 3. Notice how the word untimely is, is used here. If a man beget an hundred children and live many years, so that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. Now what's an untimely birth? One that is born premature. We often use the expression an untimely death. In other words, someone that dies younger than what we expect. So a time to be born is when the child is developed and ready to live outside of the womb. And a time to die, according to the scripture, he, it's described in, uh, in the book of Psalms, I believe Psalm 12, that uh, the days of our years are threescore years and ten, or if by reason of strength they be fourscore, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. In other words, when you reach that point that is a time to die, your strength begins to fade. Now, in like manner, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Obviously, this doesn't mean that there is a prefixed, preordained time for you to be quiet. And there's another prefixed, preordained time for you to speak. That doesn't make sense, does it? It just means there are appropriate times for all of the things that are contrasted here. For example, uh, look at um, in, let me turn back to it. Bear with me because my mind's cloudy. Uh, notice uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 3, there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. That's easy to understand, isn't it? There's an appropriate season to plant and there's an appropriate season to harvest. There's an appropriate time to keep silence and there's an appropriate time to speak. 
Now, what I'm trying to get before you now is just an awareness that that's something we need to be concerned about. Notice also a couple other verses that make the same point in... James chapter 1, and we're just going to quote one little phrase of that. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Now notice in both these passages in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and also in James chapter 1, notice what he puts first. He didn't say a time to speak and a time to keep silence. He addresses the one we have the most trouble with first. There's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. We need to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Some people are swift to speak and slow to hear. But not only should we be swift to hear and slow to speak, but it also puts being swift to hear before being slow to speak. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and beginning with verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Symbolically, he's saying, watch your step in the Lord's house and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. And we'll see in a moment that the sacrifice of fools has to do with the amount of talking they do. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God for God is in heaven and thou upon earth therefore let thy words be few for a dream cometh through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words now this is not saying that everyone that talks a lot is a fool but it is saying that every fool talks a lot that's the point he's making. And so if every fool talks a lot, I need to make sure if I'm a, a, a big talker that I speak what I should, how I should, when I should. Because I don't want someone to mistake me for a fool. Because fools, as it says here, are known by multitude of words. You know, and this is our attitude, not just when we walk in the house of God, but this is our attitude whenever we're seeking God's Word, when we're praying, when we're reading His Word. He says, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. And then look at one more. And again, we're just trying to show you from the Bible that this is something to give attention to. 
You know, there are a lot of things in the Bible that we should give attention to that maybe we've never thought about. This is probably one of them. Notice in the uh, book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verses 27 and, and 28. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. Have you noticed so far that whenever the Lord commends someone, it's not because they say a lot. It's because they say a little. He says, he that hath knowledge, you know, you'd think if someone has knowledge, they're just going to tell you all the knowledge they have all the time. No, he that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. See, every fool uses multitude of words. And so if that manifests or reveals that he's a fool, the opposite is true as well. In other words, the main thing that gives away your character is what you say. Because if you've got a fool standing next to a wise man, as long as they don't say anything, you can't tell who's who. But they don't have to talk very long until you can discern the difference. So we need to be concerned that our words are acceptable in terms of what we say, how we say, and when we say it. And the verses I've looked at so far establish that we do need to be concerned about when we say things because the Bible has a lot to say about the danger of a multitude of words and how God blesses the one that uses few words. Now, let's look at several things or several verses that describe how this affects our life and those that we interact with. In other words, the amount of talking I do will affect my interpersonal relationships. So we need to be aware of that. Now, first of all, and we're trying to cover these in a logical, progressive way. So look first of all at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Now in none of these verses we're not saying that the less you say, the more spiritual are. And if you shut up and never talk, you're super spiritual. That's not the point. 
The point is you need to be careful because in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. In other words, the more you talk, the more likely it is that you're going to say that which you ought not to say. The word wanteth there means there is no lack of sin. In the multitude of words, there's no lack of sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. You know, I've never made my wife mad being quiet. Now, there are a few exceptions to that if I didn't do something she asked me to do. But in general, the conflicts you have with other people, especially in your marriage, are a result of what you say. You can agree with that, can't you, Brother Chris? In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. So the first thing we need to think about is maybe I don't need to talk as much as I do. Now, also, it'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Look at Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Is it not true that most of your trouble comes because of what you said? Whether it's what you initiated or what you said in reaction to what Someone else said. You know, the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. And one part of a soft answer is usually few words. You know, when you give a soft answer to turn away wrath, you don't, you don't say a lot. If you say a lot, that's indicative of arguing with someone. So notice how it'll keep your soul from trouble. You remember we looked at that verse in Ecclesiastes that teaches how a little bird will carry what you say. You can't take it back. Once you put it out there, there it is. Think about how people lack wisdom sometimes in the way they use Facebook. They use a public forum to express things that are corrupt and that, are, that show uh, a bad attitude, you need to be very careful about what you say and how you say it. Amen. Don't use that as a forum to vent your frustrations. That'll, that'll just ruin you, your uh, image with others. So he says, he that keepeth, he that guards what he says keeps his soul from troubles. So, how do you apply this? You just need to say when you're in conversation, Lord, should I say what I'm thinking? Especially if someone is addressing something with you that could potentially cause strife. You need to say, Lord... Help me keep my soul from troubles. This is not a situation where I think I need to say a lot. So 
May I not become argumentative. And then look at Proverbs chapter 10. The person that is conscientious about how much they talk will receive more guidance from the Lord. You see, if you're talking all the time then, and you have a problem listening, you're probably going to be that way with the Lord too. Look at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 8. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating or prating, I believe it's prating, a prating fool shall fall. Now, you know what a prating fool is? It's one given to continual idle talking. And this is what I found in the dictionary. I didn't make this up. This is what the dictionary said. It's someone that is apt to blab and disclose secrets. That's what a prating fool is. And so a prating fool is likely not going to receive commandments from the Lord because they're not a person that wants to listen. And if I don't listen to other people who have wisdom, I'm likely not going to listen to the Lord. So, notice this language here. And I'm sorry I keep having to turn to it. But notice he says there, the wise in heart will receive commandments. Don't you want to be that person? <laughs> I want to receive God's word. I, I want him to give me light. I want him to, to put scriptures in my mind at the time I need them. And I, see, I can't talk and meditate at the same time. I can't talk and be sensitive to what the Lord's giving me at the same time. I've got to give attention to meditation and seeking the Lord's guidance. And he says, uh, this individual, the one that's wise in heart, will receive commandments. Now here's one that's really important. And I've been guilty of this many times, and I, I want to try to stop being that this way. Even if you're right, you don't need to talk a lot from the standpoint of arguing with someone. For example, look at James chapter 1. And I like the way he says this. James chapter 1, and I believe it's verses 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, we've already quoted part of this, let every man be swift to hear, uh, uh, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. In other words, if I'm focusing on listening and not waiting for them to take a breath where I can insert what I want to say, he says that'll tend toward me being slow to wrath. Your wrath is revealed in what you say. 
And if you're not careful, you'll hear someone say something you don't agree with and you immediately want to react to it. You know, I didn't look this one up, but there's a scripture that talks about studying to answer. Now, you can't study to answer unless you pause and take some time. If you're just talking all the time, how are you going to study to answer? Now, notice this. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And I believe the idea here is, even if I'm right... If I'm mean in what I'm doing and I'm just talking and talking and talking and trying to, to straighten this person out, that doesn't work the righteousness of God. That doesn't accomplish anything, does it? Look at Proverbs chapter 29. Now, this is one where we really need to pray for God to help us. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind. That takes no self-discipline. Comes in his mind, he says it. You ever met someone like that? They just say whatever. They don't stop talking. They don't listen to you. They're not trying to interact. They're just saying, they're like the, that fool that just blabs whatever comes in his mind. And notice what he says here. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. For example, let's say on your job that a customer is angry with you and they're... In, they're enraged. Maybe they're talking to you on the phone. You know what the best thing to do is? Be quiet. I heard someone say this. They said, the way I handle it, if someone is really hard and mean on the phone, when they get through, I just pretend like they didn't say it and continue to address the problem. That's wisdom. And you know, a lot of times they'll just shut them down. In other words, you're not reacting as, as people usually do, and that's what they expected. He says, a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. In other words, if a fool throws a verbal punch at you, you don't punch back with your words. You keepeth it in till afterwards. Now that indicates that you don't necessarily go without saying anything but you keep it in until you can answer calmly and until he's willing to listen. Now, he may not ever be willing to listen, and that would indicate maybe you don't need to say anything. But if he finishes his rant, you say, 
The whole time he's doing that, you can be saying, Lord, show me how to answer this fool. Or maybe he's not a fool, he's just acting like one right now. Lord, show me how to answer. A wise man keepeth it in until afterwards. And then look, and we're probably going to conclude here tonight. Like I say, I realize some of you are really tired, so you're going to really like me. You know, I, I remember the story about Mason at a meeting one time. I don't know if you all have heard this, but Brother Chris was at a meeting one time in Florida. And I think two or three preachers had preached, and it was the night service, and they stood up to sing a hymn, and they sat down, and Mason thought it was all over. And another preacher got up, now this is when he was a little boy, another preacher got up and he turned to his father and said, another one? <laughs> and the next preacher got up and said something like, I'm going to be the favorite of all the mothers here. I'm just going to sit down. So I'm going I'm I'm to try to conclude this after 30 minutes. Look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? And notice there's an exclamation mark. Now, isn't that puzzling somewhat that a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth? You know, you know we ordinarily might think that I'm going to have joy based on how other people treat me, how other people answer me. But you know, if you get all mean and argumentative with someone, you're not going to go away with joy saying, I won the argument. You're going to feel bad. You're going to feel bad about you, how you behave. But I'm going to tell you this. If someone's mean-spirited towards you and you wait until afterwards to answer and you study to answer and use a soft answer, you will be able to turn away and go on about your business with a sense of joy because you honored the Lord. So... Notice this verse, Proverbs 15, 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken, listen to this, a word spoken in due season. How good is it? Now let me give you a good illustration of that. One time... We were at a funeral, and it was a close relative of Tina's. It was her grandmother. And somebody came through the handshake, and Tina was crying. And they said, Tina, she's better off. And what I wanted to say in the wrong spirit was she's not crying for that reason. She's crying because she misses her. 
See, it wasn't due season to say she's better off. That's not what's bought. That's not the issue. The issue is not where she is. The issue is I miss her. You know, in the book of Luke, and for sake of time, we'll let you read this on your own, but I'll see if I can give you the reference. Luke chapter 10, about verse 39. You remember Luke was there, and they saw Moses, Jesus, and Moses, and Elijah, and Peter said, it's good for us to be here. We need to build one altar to Elijah, one altar to the Lord, and one to Moses. And you remember Jesus basically was saying in a nice way, Peter, shut up. I'm the Lord. And here, it's almost hilarious. You read that when you get home. It says, uh, I believe after it happened, it says that Peter wist not what to say. If you don't know what to say, be quiet. Don't say something just to be saying something. Another example of that. I once knew a man who had a PhD in psychology, and his job was to try to help people with their personal struggles. That was his job. And when his father died, he was, you know, sitting probably on the front bench at the funeral home. And he said the person that helped him the most was a relative that came to the front and sat beside him and didn't say anything. You know why that helped him? Because really there was nothing you could say to help him at that point. It wasn't a time to talk about how great, how much he's enjoying heaven. It wasn't a time to talk about that. Because he was burdened down. He understood he was in heaven, see? He, he wasn't sorrowing over that. He was sorrowing because my father's gone. It's not a time to say, I know what you're going through. Or I know how you feel. Or they're better off. It's a time just to let them know you're there because you love them and you want to support them. And one of the best ways to do that is just to be quiet. So let me just conclude by briefly reviewing the points we've tried to make. We should desire that our words are acceptable to the Lord. And that being our desire, we should be concerned about what we say. The main text we use for that was, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. We should be concerned about how we say things. That makes a big difference. A pastor that's harsh and hard will have a congregation that's afraid to approach him. If a pastor gets in the pulpit and it's like he's beating up the congregation, they will not come to him with their struggles. And then when to speak. 
You know, I, f I know that's an area I fail a lot in. You young people know how much I like to cut up weed. Sometimes I go home and I say, Lord, I'm never serious. And I just joke around all the time. And they probably don't respect me as a minister. You know, why would a, a man that's called to preach and represents the Word of God act so foolishly? You know, a lot of times I joke around with Mason at the box, and I'm thinking, he's got to focus on what he's doing. I don't need to be telling a joke every time I walk by him. So don't think that I'm preaching this to you. I need to work on this, and we all do, to help the Lord to let us know when we need to speak and when we need to be quiet. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.